Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com, for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Before we even kick off the podcast, I want to just remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. Today I've got with me Coach Ryan Higgins. Coach Higgins is currently the freshman uh, offensive corner, offensive line coach, and head basketball coach at Central Junior High in Hurst Hewless, Bedford ISD. Uh, before that, he spent time at a uh, a couple different schools. Got us got us. Career started as an offensive lineman at Mays High School in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, went to TCU and had a couple tryouts for the football team there, uh, but then decided to give that up and join the Army. Uh, after that, got a job at Carter Riverside High School in Fort Worth, where he helped coach almost every position on the field and helped that team go 5-5 five and five for the first time in 20 years. Uh, and then he worked at a few other programs before moving on to the HEB district. Um, coach Higgins. What's going on, man? You, you've got – I got I to say this before you say – go ahead and say hello, Coach. I don't want to keep over-talking over you. Go, go ahead. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm, <laughs> glad to, I'm glad that Tony Schiffman has decided for whatever reason to talk to me. Absolutely. Well, you've got one of the great hog football chat stories of all time because when we had our first clinic in 2016, yeah. 16, you – Yeah, it would have been 16. Yeah, you, you came up from Texas – had no place to stay, had no <laughs> sort of, and just came up and and I mean you ended up probably making 25 30 friends there that you, you didn't have before and and uh, had a great time but so you you know that's that always is going to be my my memory of you Ryan unfortunately but uh it it's a good one so don't worry Well about I have some caveats for that too it's a, a couple disclaimers that make it make a little more sense okay. Um, and I actually, so this goes down the road now. I actually just got my newest coworker is the guy that bailed me out of that situation. Um, actually he's, me and him are going to work together this year. So awesome. if you, if you want, I can share and make myself sound like a little bit less of a, yeah, please. Cause I made, I, made you sound, I made you sound horrible. So yes, you, you can, yeah, I know. you can please make yourself sound better. So, so I hadn't planned on coming to the clinic, uh, because we, I think it was something going on with basketball. It was about that time of the year with basketball, and I also coached basketball. I hadn't planned on going, um, but I think something happened where our, our game got canceled or rescheduled, and my dad is an airline pilot. And so at the very last second, Friday night, I text my dad and say, hey, what are the chances I could fly standby to Memphis tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, you know, there's a thing going on tomorrow. It's, you know, it's last second, but whatever. And he goes, yeah, no problem. I'll book you a flight at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And so I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to go – and uh, there's, you know, I, I didn't plan on going, but the last second I can get an airline ticket for free. So I go and I'm on the plane flying there just with a double bag for a night or two worth of stuff. 
And uh, I book an Airbnb that, you know, was fine, seemed okay. Um, and about 1 p.m., 2 p.m., I get the notification that my Airbnb is canceled. And I'm in the middle of the clinic paying attention, talk, taking notes, talking to different guys. And the Airbnb cancels on me. And I'm in Memphis, Tennessee at 2 p.m. and get a notification. Now, I don't have a place to stay that night. And I, get, I don't know if you remember, something was going on that weekend that like hotels were like booked up too. Um, it was, and, um, um, what was going on? I, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but there was something like, the, there was other clinics going on, or not clinics, but like, you know, one of the, you know, different things in Memphis were going on. Right. And I couldn't find a, I couldn't find a hotel room in all the apps I was looking at. So it's getting to be about 9 p.m. and Airbnbs are booked, hotel rooms seem like they're booked. I'm looking at having to take a $50 Uber to some sketchy hotel like across the state border. And so I just started asking around, like, Hey, does anybody know if their hotel has any open rooms? And uh, it turns out this, this, a, a friend, it's a, a friend of Dingus's. He, he comes up to me, he goes, Hey man, I got a extra bed in my room. They gave me two beds. And I only need one. And so I'm like, man, this guy could be a serial killer. Like who knows who he could be. And uh, he's a, he was an offensive line coach in Oklahoma at the time. I'm like, this random guy from Oklahoma was about to let me stay in his room. And it turned out that we left. We went out to, uh, I think, Beale Street in Memphis, got some drinks, uh, almost died in an Uber ride back, which is another story I can tell. Yeah, that's for another time. And, uh, and uh, ended up staying in a hotel with this guy, Gary. And uh, he ended up moving to Texas the next year uh, because the Oklahoma teacher strike. And him and his wife are both educators. And as of a month ago, it was actually took, took the job to be our head eighth grade coach. And uh, so me and him are going to be working with the linemen at our school together. So through the through the hog football chat and my Airbnb cancel canceling, I was able to recruit a really good coach with a lot of experience to come to my school. That's awesome. It's a so I had the free airline ticket thing combined with my Airbnb canceling makes it seem like a little more reasonable. I didn't just like I, I show did, up in Memphis. I kind of threw you under the bus there, big time. So it's yeah, all right. I appreciate you filling in the the blanks there. I, I that that I appreciate that. So. Um, but yeah, still a great story and still, you know, I'm, I'm, I was glad that you came and I got to meet you and talk to you face to face actually. So that was a, but, but, but I digress. Um, you know, first question I got to ask you at moving back to the actual podcast, talk to me a little bit about, uh, how the offensive line played, um, played a part in the success of some of the teams you've been on. Yeah. So, um, oh boy, uh, this year, I would say it was the last year, um, which was the most successful year I've had as a coach. We went nine and one, uh, which was a good a good change for me. And, uh, I mean, I can't lie. We had, we had some really talented kids. We had a running back that's as talented as the kids I've ever coached. We had a good quarterback. Um, but we had an offensive line that I bet our, our right tackle was about as athletic of a tackle I've ever had. Our center and right guard probably combined. They're freshmen in high school. Um, and I can send a picture in or anything like that. They, our right guard is probably six foot four pushing 400 pounds. Holy cow. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he, he was a, he, the way I described it. The first time I saw him, is he blocked out the sun, and and the, our center was a great kid who's probably smarter than me, and he'd come to the sideline with suggestions about how to block things up, and a lot of times they were great suggestions. Um, and had two good coachable kids that were very mobile to put on the left side. So I stacked our big boys on the right side, and then my quicker guys on the left. And we we actually at the end of the season, I did the stats. We averaged nine yards a carry, um, and we scored. 42 touchdowns um, and about 75% of them were rushing touchdowns. Uh -huh. um, and it really, it was just keeping it simple. And I, I have a system set up where the O-line really doesn't even know the, what's happening. 
and they just they just have to either block their their Bob block, their zone block, or their their, their our power scheme, right. their outside zone, and then everything else is all bells and whistles around them. So they don't they don't have to know what the play is. I tell them, I said, just turn your brain off and do go kill somebody. On, on if I if I call four, turn your brain off and run inside zone right, and I want I want bodies on the floor. Um, and they really bought in. They were smart, coachable kids. Um, obviously, you can't teach a kid to be 400 pounds. Like his, right. I mean, he did some, he did some things that were amazing on film. A super athletic right tackle. We ran a lot of outside zone that way. But we just, I told our kids our identity is we we ran a spread, but we mashed people, um, getting behind those guys. And they did a lot of things. And having a good, talented running back never hurts either. No. no. Um, and used an H back and then a sniffers type system to uh, to lead up on the outside right linebackers. But really, the whole deal was I want to keep it really simple. Like a lot of coaches say they keep things simple, and then it turns out they don't keep things simple. We did keep things really simple, right. um, and and had a lot of success just letting the O line turn their brain off and go kill. And towards the end of the season, I added in a couple tags where we could turn four into midline. Um, but, but for most of the O-linemen, it's, it's just four just to tell the left guard to, to leave his guy and go up to the linebacker. Um, so my whole goal was to make it as simple as possible on the O-line. Um, another year I'm proud of is my second year coaching. I was the assistant offensive line coach at Carter Riverside, and that's a place that's particularly uh, economically underserved. Did not have a lot of size. Pretty much the complete opposite of what I had this year. I bet our, I bet our offensive line weighed 190 pounds across the board, mm-hmm. uh, but they were really coachable, scrappy kids. Did a lot of chop blocking, did a lot of outside zone um, where I would tell them to take three steps and then chop. Um, some, some more like slot T type principles to get angles. Um, and really, we had, a, we had a freak of an athlete quarterback that we were lucky to have and then took five coachable, scrappy, 190-pound kids and uh, ran a lot of quarterback lead type stuff, speed option with those kids, trying, trying to basically just put, put five bodies on the floor and then we're going to let an athlete be an athlete in space. Um, that might be the most proud I've been of a season because that 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 school is uh, not not great demographics for uh, for football success. The, when we didn't even have a weight room when I took that job there, and there's a reason it was my first job out of college, just because they they were looking to hire somebody. Um, and I just went in with my kind of my hair on fire, probably a little too enthusiastic. Right. Um, had a good experienced O-line coach to work with, and I kind of provided the fire and the energy, and we turned them into some chop blocking 190 pound bowling balls. Um, and I, we beat some teams we probably shouldn't have beat that year. Right. Um, and every, every game we lost, I was like, yeah, that's, you know, we were just outgunned. Right. Um, so I'd say those are the two of the years, kind of diverse, you know, diverse reasons we were successful. But, you know, when you have, when you have 190 pound coachable kids, you got to change things up from when you have a, a 400 pound beast at right guard. <laughs> yeah. Right. You gotta, you gotta play to their strengths a little bit more. Yeah. To be clear too, I want this 400 pounds is not an exaggeration. Right. It may have been more. I stopped asking after a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at some, but, at some point that that just you, you just say, all right, you're you're big. There's nothing else to it. Yeah, I would say the things that they had in common though is both both O lines were very coachable, good kids that I would I would hire them for a job anytime I needed to now. Right. Yeah. Most 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 offensive linemen are good like that. You'll, you you yeah. you like them you like them after the fact too. So. Yep. Um, absolutely. So, you know, my first question I've got to ask you, and this is kind of looking through your bio, um, obviously you played at, at uh, Mays High School in Wichita. Um, you, you, you noted that you were recruited to play uh, at some small schools but took an academic scholarship to TCU um, and then tried out for two years there. Uh, talk to me a little bit kind of about what, what, how that process went and, and how that, you know, I'm, I've always been curious just kind of about how, 
you know, the quote unquote tryout is at those, at those big schools. Talk to me about kind of what you did and, and, and how that was and, and, you know, what, what you were still doing to kind of keep yourself in the game during those two years you tried out there. Keep myself alive. Um, <laughs> so, so I played, I mean, I was, a, I was a, a decent offensive lineman, I would say not great, um, but I was six, five uh, and you can't really coach six, five is what right. my high school coach told me. And I was pretty smart. Uh, always. I mean, my parents were big on grades from, the moment I was in kindergarten. Um, so I had a really good GPA and I was six, five and that was enough to have some small schools reach out to me. But uh, my dad kind of talked to me. He was like, listen, like football is going to end at some point, like go get a degree and then like, see if you can also do football. Right. Um, I went to football camp at the air force Academy and I was a, a place I was interested in. Um, decided the Academy thing wasn't right for me. Uh, but the offensive line coach there actually called the offensive line coach to, to you and told them like, Hey, you know, give this kid a shot, let him try out, see what's up. Um, so that process just really opened my eyes to how terrible an athlete I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have been a decent offensive lineman, you know, played varsity for two years, kind of like most kids do. Um, and even got recruited to some small places and I showed up to TCU and just the, the, the talent I was going against was just incredible. There, there, I, I was really lucky. I learned a lot and I was able to, to kind of see what real big time football looks like and having going against, I mean, I, I, I had to deal with Stanley Maponga and Jerry Hughes who both spent time in the NFL. And I was the practice squad offensive lineman that got, you know, to, to represent uh, the opposing team for that week. And they even moved me in a tight end sometimes and would say, Hey, this guy's tall. Well, Texas Tech's tight end is tall. Right. Um, but at a certain point when the season's starting, they have to cut down their roster, a lot like NFL stuff. Um, and I just, and after the first time, they just basically said, there's not enough roster room, but we want you to try out again. Um, they, the, I kept lifting weights. I've always loved lifting weights. I still do. Kept lifting weights. Um, kept staying active. I actually played rugby for a little bit that year, which I still do. Um, came out for the tryout again. And uh, kind of the same story where I was like, I'm definitely not good enough to be here. Right. And I'm trying my best. And I just, I can't block some of these guys. Like, no matter how hard I'm trying and, and their hands are so fast and, I got I got the crap knocked out of me one time on a blitz. Um, I just remember laying on the ground, looking at the ceiling, uh, going like, "Holy cow!" It was by Tank Carter, who would end up being a you know All American, oh, yeah. and then played for the Browns, I think, for a little bit. I just remember him. He uh, he he destroyed me one time, and then he picked me up off the ground, and said like, "Good job, man." Okay, <laughs> I know that was not a good job by me. Um, and so at the end of the tryout, kind of the same story where they basically said there's just not room on the roster. You know, they're, they're always looking for the walk in the walk on. They're looking for like a lot of times like long snappers or like a kicker or something like that. Um, kind of those specialty positions. And I didn't really fit the bill on that. And they talked to me about maybe gaining weight and trying out again. Um, and I was an Army ROTC student and uh, I'm still an Army Reserve officer. And there's height weight issues that come on into play. And they talked to me about gaining weight. Um, you know, they said, you're, you know, you're a good kid. You worked hard, you know, stay around. But we're, if you want to play offensive line, you, you're probably going to have to gain a little bit of weight. I was probably about 260, 270. And they were like, you're probably going to need to get up to 290, 300. And I kind of went home and weighed my options and kind of realized, like, even if I get to be, even if I do make the team mm -hmm. down the road, I'm never going to play. Right. Um, and kind of, I kind of realized it was time was up. And uh, I still, I mean, I, I, I knew I gave it everything I had. Um, and I think it was the right decision because if I had gone to a small JUCO, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good that comes there. There's also a lot of challenges that come there. 
And at the end of the day, I was able to get a degree from a really good university and I was able to learn a lot of football. Right. Um, I, I mean, I know all the drills that, that I saw ran. I saw one of the best defensive coaches in the country running his practices and the messages that he preached. And I, that's a big reason I have a ton of respect for TCU still. And I'm a diehard, I'm not just a TCU fan, was because I never saw any of the shenanigans that go on in some college programs. We, if you missed class, you had to run. If you, you know, you got in trouble, you got, you know, benched for a game or you had to run, or I mean, you had to wake up and run the stadium stairs a lot of times if you got caught skipping class. So I, I really saw that they did things the right way. And don't get me wrong, it was, it was challenging and it was not always the friendliest situation, but it was, it was done the right way. Right. And that's something I've tried to try to emulate a little bit that, you know, whether we're going to go one and nine or nine and one, we're going to, we're going to go to class. We're going to be at practice on time with our equipment on. Right. So a lot of, learned a lot of, learned a lot of technique stuff just from going through the drills, but also saw a lot of culture stuff that I try to try to emulate. Right. That's awesome. I mean, that's, it's it's rare that you get to i mean let's be honest it's rare that it's rare us the guys that get to play college football in, in the first place and it's even yeah. rarer for the guys that get to really experience that power 5 level um and see what goes on and see behind the scenes and see. it was insane it yeah. was it was insane and I, I i can tell like i was a decent high school football player not great but i probably had potential to get better um, just because of my frame and things like that. But I just realized like, and it's helped me with talking to kids now, like, Hey guys, like you don't realize like how good you have to be to make it. Like you have to be a, a freak and a pretty hard worker to make it. Um, and so like, you know, you could be a good football player at a big time school in Texas, but even still like that jump up to that power five level is, is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a terrible athlete and wasn't a terrible football player. And I felt like I was completely out of my league when I showed up there. Right. Um, there were, there were a couple of, we lined up for one-on-ones one time as an offensive lineman and one of the big like five-star or four-star recruits was a D tackle. And I remember I my, my offensive line coach actually, the TCU offensive line coach actually stepped in and was like, Hey, let's, let's give this rep to somebody else. <laughs> and I was like, thank God. <laughs> um, Cause I was probably going to get bull rust and thrown into the quarterback. So, right. um, he just didn't want to destroy my confidence or anything like that. So um, I was able to compete with some of the, you know, the freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, things like that. And I, I was still, I'm still friends with uh, one of the starting offensive linemen on that team. And I was, I mean, I remember who treated me great. And uh, I mean, coach Justin Puente was the offensive coordinator there at, at the time. And he's the head coach of Virginia Tech now. And he treated me great in meetings. And he, I answered a question one time in meetings and he, he treated me just like he treated Andy Dalton. And uh, so I remember, I kind of remember some of that stuff about treating people the right way, no matter what their talent is and stuff like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, my second question I've got for you, and I've talked about this a little bit with, with another one of my buddies who, who coaches this level, but um, preach to me and preach to the listeners, you know, talk to everybody about how important the freshman level is and, and truth, truly how, um, you know, how big of a part that, that, those guys play in the program because a lot of times, and and I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. You kind of, the freshmen sort of get pushed aside um, and, and, uh, and, and overlooked a little bit, but, but talk to me about kind of what, what you like about that level and and why it's so important to the success of the the varsity program. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I mean, I've been a varsity offensive line coach and kind of coordinated a run game before. And I, I mean, in a couple different places and, 
I've kind of chosen this level a little bit and I mean, it was for a variety of other reasons to do with my job and the location and uh, my school district's a great school district, but it's the way I kind of feel about it is good programs just have a pipeline of kids coming to them and then they polish those kids and, and get them going. It's kind of a, they're a well-oiled machine where kids come, kids get better, kids graduate. And I said, the, the, you know, some of the struggling areas I've seen is when you're an offensive line coach and you feel like you're patching holes in the ship. And right. it's like, oh, like who can, who can play left guard? Like, oh, well, maybe this kid can play left guard. Oh, you know, who can, who can move the right tackle? Okay, we're going to move him the right tackle. And, you know, you're, fine, you're pulling kids off defense to play O-line and vice versa. And I said, so the good programs, I think, are, are ones where they get started on the right path at the right age. And they just naturally move through the pipeline up to being juniors and seniors. And obviously, more talented kids rise up. But, but if you if you don't get them started strong as freshmen, I mean, you're just patching holes in the ship later on. And that's that's where programs get, I feel like get stuck. And and you know, you're you're stuck in the cycle of kid starts for a year, kid leaves. You know, kid move. You know, you you're praying for a move in and things like that. And I mean, any coach would love a talented move in. Um, we just got one, and I'm not upset about it. But it's uh. You, you don't want to like rely on that if that makes sense where right. good programs have that pipeline coming from seventh and eighth into ninth, getting coached well and getting really, I think the jump between eighth and ninth grade is gigantic. Cause that's where it's like, okay, okay. We're football still supposed to be fun, but we're not playing just for fun anymore. We're playing to win. And you know, if you don't show up on time, there are now consequences where seventh and eighth grade is a little different. Um, seventh and eighth grade, you're more just kind of introducing the game and mm-hmm. you know, first time of playing organized football where ninth grade is now where it starts getting real, starts getting competitive. You need to learn a couple schemes. Now you need to learn, you know, the difference between inside zone and outside zone. And uh, so if you have kids naturally progressing through that pipeline, that freshman year is a big jump. Right. And uh, if you've got good freshman coaches, um, it's, it's a natural pipeline. And again, the kids follow up to be in sophomores, juniors, and seniors, where if you've got a struggling freshman area, it's, it feels like you're patching holes in the ship when they're juniors and seniors. And I've been on both sides. I've been the O-line coach looking down saying like, where are the O-linemen? Are they, where are the sophomore O-linemen? And, uh, and then I'm now being a freshman O-line coach, I like it a lot myself and play like, I feel like I play a vital role in the pipeline for, for some good programs. And I, I mean, the thing that I the thing that I would say I really like about it is it's, it's, you have to be able to take advanced schemes and simplify it. And we, I mean, if you looked at our film, we went, we would, you know, our schemes or whatever, but it really, it's, you have to teach the kids the basics of different schemes and, and not get, you have to find that delicate balance where you push the kids to learn the schemes, but you also know when to, uh, when to simplify, simplify, simplify. I mean, we start by telling the O-line, they only have to learn three plays. They've got to learn inside zone, outside zone and power. Right. And we get good at those three plays. And then I do all kinds of window dressing with the sniffer and the slot receiver and the quarterback. And, uh, but then as, as the season went on, you know, I, I saw we were starting to get those down. I said, all right, guys, like, here's this play called trap. And we, we installed trap. And we now for the rest of our life, they should know what trap is. And, uh, you know, hey, this is what, this is what slide protection is, guys. And I, we get really good at full slide. Okay. Now we're going to teach you half slide. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just, you know, so it's, it's really cool to see them kind of take that level from football where they're just pushing the guy in front of them to now they're understanding the schemes that is employed on varsity and they're kind of progressing at the right, at the right way. So you get to hammer the fundamentals a lot more than a varsity coach gets to. Right. Varsity, varsity level is a lot more about scheme, where I'd say the freshman level is more about getting your kids to understand basics. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's, it's, um, 
you know, and, and it's, and I think that's often overlooked by some of us coaches that, you know, you guys are, it's really up to you guys to build the foundation for, for us to, uh, or, or to lay the foundation for us to build upon. And, and that's, you know, if, if there aren't good freshman coaches laying that foundation, then, then, you know, the, what we try to build is going to probably collapse at some point. So it, it's, you guys do, you know, it's a vital part of, of every organization. Um, Definitely. And, and again, like I said, and I've been guilty of it in, in my, in my past of overlooking it, but um, it is a very vital part of, of, a, of any successful program. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that I really like about it is it's, I think it's the best level to coach because it's more about the kids and the scheme. And that's what, I mean, that's, what's really fun. And I mean, I've, I've been guilty of not being the best guy on the whiteboard in the world or whatever, but I mean, there were, there were times I'd be like, Hey, this ain't the schematically correct way to block ISO, but you know what? I'm going to give the ball to Gary and we'll get him three yards and I bet he can make a guy miss. And that's where, you know, at a varsity level, that scheme might not work or something like that. But at the freshman level, it's like, yeah, this isn't the perfect way to do it. Um, we block, we block inside zone with a lock on the backside end pretty much all the time. And I basically said, cause I'll, I'll take a running back versus a linebacker, but what can't happen is a quarterback make a bad read mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden get hit in the backfield. And so, you know, it's all about, you know, it might not look the best on the whiteboard sometimes, but, if our, if our kid gets seven yards and I'm happy with that. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's, what's important about it's, you know, I've often told and had these conversations at that level. It's not so much about winning or losing. It's about, again, making sure they understand the program as they get older and, and still, and keep competing with the, you know, the, the older kids, so to speak. So that, that's, yeah, for sure. That's the important stuff. Um, so, you know, obviously we started talking about this a little bit before I started recording and, and I kind of, we had to stop ourselves, but um, one of the things you've done uh, during the quarantine time during the pandemic was you actually wrote and published a book. Um, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about that and, and how you sort of came upon that idea and, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, just the, the whole process with that, please. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so I'd be the first guy to get called out. And I've, I've had a couple people call me out for not being dedicated enough to football or, you know, I, I don't, I don't stay up till 3am watching film on a Saturday night all the time. Um, so I, I mean, I have a lot of interest outside of football. I, I mean, I, I like politics a lot. Um, I'm an army reserve officer and I, I loved, uh, I had, a, I had a school where I taught economics at and I loved teaching economics and I really saw the need, especially for low SES schools, um, that kids, kids don't even have basic financial literacy. And, you know, what is a savings account is, is questions kids would ask. And it's things that, you know, my dad maybe taught me and I was really lucky to have a dad teach me that stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, there's some kids that have basically no financial literacy. And I basically saw a, an area in that, you know, there's Dave Ramsey's great. And, you know, some of the other authors are great out there, but there, there's also kind of a, a aura of, fanciness to money books where it's like, Oh, you know, this is our fancy money book with our fancy money knowledge. And then that just turns people off and they, you know, they're like, I don't want to get talked down to about how I spend too much money on coffee. Right. Um, and so, especially with kids, I feel like I've like, just like with football, I've always been good at simplifying things to, it might not be the perfect plan, but it's the plan that'll actually work. And, uh, so I haven't taught economics for a couple of years. Um, and having this time for quarantine, I, I, I had some students, you know, when I, when they graduated, Oh coach, you should write a book. And I, you know, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I got this time and I'm going crazy sitting on my couch with, with nothing to coach, nothing to teach. And I said, you know what? And it, you know, and I, I just started typing 
and I kind of put an outline together and started typing it. And, you know, I, I, it's the money graduates, um, the money game plan for graduates. And I call it money knowledge for the real world because it's, it's real things that an 18 year old kid could hold in their hands and understand the basic concepts. And it's, it's not the fanciest money book. There's probably some advice in there. That's not perfect. Um, I don't even talk about the different types of, you know, IRAs because I'm like, really, it doesn't matter what IRA is best. What matters is you do one. And so here's what it is and here's how you do it. And, um, so I, I just started typing and, and six days and 42 pages later, it was a lot of, you know, things out there. I had to edit it down and trim it down. I wanted to keep it approachable. That was the big right. thing is I wanted to keep it approachable. Like it's got those, those money books on Amazon are not approachable. And so I said, I'm going to make it super approachable for a 17 year old kid that can read and be entertained. Um, and you know, it, I can write another book later on going super in depth if I want to. So decided to write it. And, uh, Amazon has a great self-publishing tool. I talked to another coach, uh, Coach Zach Kelly uh, just published a book recently, and so me and him were editing each other's books and helping each other out. And uh, I've decided for now, um, I've just e-published it. Um, okay. Because I, my whole goal was to hit it done by graduation season, so like late May. So I've just e-published it, and I did Venmo uh, either through my Twitter or you can get it on Amazon for a Kindle copy, um, which you don't have to have a Kindle. I later learned out too. Some people ask me that. And then my plan is now is I've worked with another teacher who does graphic design and things like that. And she's going to give me some graphic design to add into the book. And then my whole goal is to have hard copies and paperback copies ready for, uh, ready for publishing for next graduation season. Awesome. Um, Cause my whole goal is to get this guide in the hands of 17 year olds. And that way when they're 57, they can look back and say like, Hey, like I've changed my family because I started behaving with money a little better, a little more intelligently. You know, there's a lot of people who work really hard for their money and then they don't make their money work for them. So my whole goal is to teach a 17 year old how to make their money work for them. Right. Um, and you know, it has this very specific target audience and, and it's not going to be, if you want a fancy financial book, it's not that. Um, but my whole goal was to kind of, you know, I, I've always loved teaching and I especially love teaching economics. Um, and so that was a kind of way that I could, teach an additional audience and it's always nice to make a little extra side income sure. um, but it was kind of nice I, I, I it's, a, it's a bucket list item that I've accomplished now awesome that's great I mean it's it's um I think it's great that you know you put that out there for these guys and that you've got enough vested interest in in you know this generation and the, these kids going out right now to to give them these these tools to uh, to learn and to, to make themselves better. So I thought, you know, I applaud you for that. I, th I think it's awesome. Um, I, I don't think I could ever write a book in six days like you did though, but um, that's a, uh, you know, I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm a bandaid person when I do things Yeah. and I'm like, this, this is going to suck and it's going to, it's going to be exhausting, but I'm going to have it done. You're going to do it. Okay. And, uh, and I, I probably put 10 hour days in writing. And uh, so some people like to go slower and more methodical. Me, I'm more of a bandaid guy. Gotta, and I, I as got it done. I'm like, you know, if I, if I think about this too much, I'm not going to do it. Right. And so I'm going to stop thinking. I'm just going to start typing. And then I went, I mean, I had some, I had a lot of friends of mine edit it. Um, right. a friend of mine is an English teacher and he went through it. Um, had my, my mom and dad read it and gave me some feedback. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a bandaid and I ripped the bandaid off, got it out there. And, you know, I had one of my friends tell me this, you know, slow down and wait. And I said, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, it's good to slow down sometimes. But I said, but it's, it's May 25th and my whole goal is to, you know, I want a high school graduate to, to think about this. And I had a couple people, I had a professor of mine from college buy 10 copies and say he was going to give it out as graduation presents to high school seniors. 
That's cool. So hopefully just kind of pass it down. I was really lucky to have people educate me. Um, and hopefully I can pass it down to, to other people. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. That, that's real cool. So, um, I got one more question for you and then uh, I'll let you kind of plug the book again and, and, uh, and then we'll get you out of here. But um, yeah, for sure. if you could, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen, uh, from guys you've coached guys you've been a part of, or guys, you, or guys you've uh, played with or guys you've just maybe followed along, um, you know, as a, as a fan, who would be on that five man offensive line? Am I looking for the best five to, to score touchdowns? Am I looking for the best five to go out and get a beer with? You are looking for your five Mount Rushmore. I don't care what it is. The five guys that you put on your Mount Rushmore. You okay, so five. Ryan, this is my podcast. You can't ask me questions. You should know this. Okay. All right, I'll <laughs> shut up. Uh, let me think about this. Because um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I got the grumpy old people that are going to complain about me because I'm, I'm only 27. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't have the, the background of knowledge in the, uh, no, no, in the you're 60s fine. and 70s. I've gotten so many different responses to this question. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of exciting for me to ask it every time now because I'm curious to see who, who's going who's gonna to be named. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to hear the old names and the, the kind of the throwback players, but then it's also fun, to, it's fun for me to hear some of the new players too that I can kind of jot down in my notes and say, oh, I need to watch more film on this guy or, oh, I maybe need to check – check him out a little bit more. I didn't, I, you know, I haven't paid attention enough to him. So um, any, any guys you give are going to be, are going to be good. Okay. Um, hmm. All right. So I'm going to say, I got to start with, uh, he's going to, he's going to be mad at me that I said this, but I actually haven't talked to him in a little bit. I need to, um, I'm going to start with blaze Foltz. Um, I don't know if that name rings any bells at all. Um, but he he was the right guard at DCU when I was going through the tryout process, and me and him actually uh, played against each other in high school. Um, his school was kind of a rival. They were we were just in the same area out of Kansas, sure. and he he was awesome to me when I was, and he was a monster. He still is. He's an offensive line coach in Wichita now, um, and he was awesome to me. When I was you know there's a lot of alpha males in a college football program, and some guys aren't so great to walk on and stuff. And uh, and Blaze was awesome to me and treated me like. I was, you know, his little brother or something like that when I was going through that. Um, so I got to give a shout out to him about that. And he's a, he's a great coach and great guy. And he's probably the strongest guy I've ever seen lift weights in person before. Um, I know he's got a couple of records at, uh, at TCU or did for, uh, for offensive line uh, for weightlifting. Um, so definitely got to give Blaze a shout out. Um, I'm kind of tempted to take a different angle with this and, and give it to former players Okay. But none of them – some of them I'm not sure are 18 now or anything. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> um, I'm going to give another one that I'm going to make my left guard. He's going to be a kid uh, – I haven't talked to him in forever, and I need to. I have no idea what he's doing. But uh, Cody Carter was his name, and he was the classic, scrappy, hardworking kid that was undersized offensive lineman. Sure. I, mean, I think he played linebacker on defense too, and that's when I coached him a little bit at linebacker too. And uh, he was a part of that 5-5 five and five season and probably got zero recognition or credit. Um, from anybody outside the coaching staff, but he was the kind of kid that was raised right, worked hard, and he would he would chop block a linebacker without any second thought. Right. Um, center, I gotta go. I gotta go with Gary Tool at center. Um, I don't even know if Gary played center. He told me he played everything, and if you ask him, he was probably a triple All Pro someday. Right. Uh, but but Gary is probably one of the smartest offensive scheme coaches I know. So you gotta have a smart center. 
And uh, Gary's a lot older and more experienced than me, and I'm going to get to work with him. And he's he's the one that saved me in Memphis. So I gotta I gotta put him on the, uh, the put him at center position to take care of the ball and make sure we get the fronts and stunts called out properly. Okay. So let's see. I got a le- I got a left guard that's small and fast. I got a big smart center. I got just a mean strong as hell right guard that was just the nicest guy in the world off the field. Um, I gotta put Tyron Smith as a left tackle. Okay. Um, that's a that's a no brainer from a famous perspective. Tyron Smith is a kid that I'll, I'll always use him in my arguments of why you want to play O line. Like, guys, look at the Cowboys. Look at their salaries. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to make money, come play offensive line. That was the thing that I had some kids this year that I don't. I've never coached a player um, to see go play go play professionally, but I had some kids this year that were about as talented as it gets. So maybe I could have a. I, I sold them on the argument of playing offensive line. You know, you got some of the kids that all they want to do is play defense. And I talked to them about Tyron Smith for the Cowboys. Right. And uh, so I got to put Tyron. He does some freaky things at left tackle. Yeah, he's an absolute. Um, hmm, and at right tackle, I don't have a great one for right tackle, but he just retired, and he was a guy that played the right way. So I do Joe Staley for the Forty ers Okay. And uh, he's the he's the prototypical athletic tackle, which is kind of what I tried to be for myself. And so I, I remember watching him as I was kind of playing and growing up, and. Uh, He'd be he'd be just a, a name that popped out to me as hey watch this and I'd see him on YouTube or my my dad would even show me how important it was to hey you know this this touchdown run doesn't happen without this hook block and this super freaky athletic move by a man who's 330 pounds so I got a mixture of high school kids and all pro retirees on there it's hey, great um, and then an old fat coach at center so <laughs> I uh. But so it's probably an unconventional Mount Rushmore, but I'll go with that. No, it's I, like I said, they've all been different. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting and, and always fun for me to hear just guys kind of their thought processes. So, um, Coach, do me a favor before we get out of here, drop your Twitter handle um, and let everybody know again about how they can find your book and where they can find it, please. Yeah, so my my Twitter handle is at Ryan J Higgins, all lowercase. Um, it's a little bit of a mixture of my professional stuff, but also some of my personal stuff. Um, so it's, it's just my personal Twitter handle that I talk a lot of football on, uh, on, on my Twitter account, I have it pinned, um, that you can get the Amazon link, uh, for the book. And, uh, if you want to wait till next graduation season, some paperback hard copies will be ready, or you can go ahead and buy the ebook now if you want to. So right now I've got four ratings, all five-star reviews. If that's a convincing argument at all. <laughs> one, one of them may be from my mom. <laughs> hey, that's all right. She, she's, uh, our moms have to give us those five star reviews, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, coach, I appreciate you talking with me right, uh, you know, today. Uh, hopefully, everything's going well for you guys, and hopefully, uh, we have a season. And, and I wish you the uh, the very best of luck in that. And and uh, hopefully, um, your your book sales keep keep skyrocketing. And and uh, I'm looking forward to future books from from coach ryan higgins. So yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking forward to another clinic that I can fly last minute to and. This time I'll come with a hotel room ready to go. Heck yeah. Well, next time we have it, I'll I'll send you the invite for sure. Absolutely. All right, Coach. I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Take care. Talk to you soon. You too. Thanks. All right. Thanks again for everyone listening. And remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome.